Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast, where we discuss all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring. Welcome back to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Um, I've got a special guest here, almost fresh off the plane uh, from Sydney. Uh, we've got Holly Neville here. Um, Holly is uh, one of our one of the swimmers that we look after. But um, if you just want to explain a little bit more about yourself and what you do and what events that you focus on and how was um, short course nationals. Um, so I swim at an open national level, training eight sessions in the pool a week and three in the gym. And then, yeah, I just had short course nationals in Sydney, which was good. I raced the 50, 100, 200 free and 50 fly. I got a small PB in the 50 free and then was on my time for the 100 free and 200 free. And then I got to race against Bronte Campbell, which was a good experience, and made two A finals, which was good. Yeah, to give some perspective, I think Bronte Campbell's like 10 years older as well. Yeah. She's like 28, 29. And how old are you, Holly? 18. And then you were like, what? how far off were you from her, roughly? About a second in the 53, and then two-ish seconds in the 100. All right, so you're starting to kind of close in on her as well, so especially at that real high level. Um, so let's kind of talk about your origin story. How did you get into swimming? Because you're kind of like, from all the testing that we've done, you've done multiple sports, kind of like, yeah. what did you do growing up, um, I guess, sporting-wise? Um, when we moved to Australia, I started swimming just for like the water safety side of things, living near a beach, and then fell in love with it and just moved up the squad levels quite quickly because they needed to fill a few places so then I jumped in and enjoyed it and then I started competing in the pool when I was eight and then with that I also did a bit of little athletics when I was younger because we live around the corner for a mento naths track did a bit of dancing wasn't very good at it <laughs> and then I also did life-saving until I like nippers until I was too old to continue nippers. Yeah, so I was like 13, 14 years old. Yeah. yeah. And so you've done a variety of sports growing up, kind of like in that you're a very competitive person. Yeah. How, where, does, where does that come from? Because I met your parents and I'm obviously, you know, I trained, trained your dad and, and your sister as well. Where did the competitiveness come from? Um, I think dad's quite competitive and then just want to be the best in my sports yeah and when did you realize kind of like you had a thing for swimming um i think i've just always enjoyed it and enjoyed the feeling in the water and i really enjoy competing and racing and that's like the main part of it so i guess yeah so it's really just being in the water going to training sessions because you always you're either here a couple of minutes early on a regular basis. Yeah. I know that you go to the pool pretty early as well. You're yeah. always there sometimes before your coaches as well. And you're always prepared, ready to go. And then it's kind of like that enjoyment factor and you've just kind of like maintained that enjoyment or yeah. enjoyment is like the outcome of, of the sensation of the feeling. But there's something you just keep coming back towards of, you know, you feel really good being in the pool from all the training. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of got into this point now now where are you at the moment in terms of your uh, swimming career so you've kind of gone through the junior the junior the state programs 
now you're at the national level now, where are you now and kind of like, what is the end goal with your swimming? Um, well, the ultimate goal is make the New Zealand team and go to the Olympics. And then last year, I got my first world B time in the 100 free short course. So over the next year, hopefully getting closer to those A times for long course, leading up to Worlds, which is in like February next year, and then Paris, which is in July. Yeah, so we it seems pretty close because obviously yeah. the Tokyo Games was in 21, and then there's obviously a three-year window, yeah. and then you're really closing in on getting to the, the Paris for New Zealand. Yeah. So, in terms of your training load, because you mentioned that you, how many sessions a week? I think you're swimming through eight, eight, eight sessions a week. And you know, three gym. How do you go about? And then, not to add any more pressure, you're in year twelve as well. Yeah. How do you go managing that that training load, um, study load, and just having a life? Um, I my school's been pretty good. I get. I'm only doing four subjects this year, and then I did one, three, four last year. So I get two subjects worth of spares at school. So I try and be as productive as I can in there, those spares, because I know that I don't have the time after school to do it. And then when I'm really pushed for time, I do homework in the car, and mum will drive me. Otherwise, I'll drive myself. So then dinner's on the table when I get home. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got a bit of a system yeah. in place where, I guess, you know, you're in the middle and you're trying to maximise everything you do. Yeah. Then obviously you've got to try and sleep because some days you're doing double sessions. Yeah. So how do you go with, like, the the turnaround time of doing a night time and then coming back the next morning? I'm a good sleeper and I go to bed at 8.30. So I'm like a... A lot of people my age who stay up really late. I'm in bed early, so then I still get that seven, eight hours of sleep every night. Yeah. Then how do you go about? So you mentioned what time are your afternoon trainings? They start at between five and six o'clock. Yeah. So then you got to try and get into get to sleep by like eight thirty, nine o'clock. Yeah. How do you like? Is there a trick that you do, or is it just like you're just pretty calm and mellow person when you're at home? I'm pretty calm and then with like getting up early, I'm tired by the time 8.30 rolls around so yeah. I'm getting a bit grumpy after that. Okay, so and then during the days, is your who who helps you with the food side? It sounds like, you know, food dinner's already sorted but who helps you out with like breakfast and lunch um, for the school days? Breakfast, if I'm at home, I do it and then if I'm at training, Mum will either, either drop something off at school for me or she'll have driven me and picked something up along the way. And then for lunch, if I don't take leftovers and heat them up in the microwave at school, mum sometimes drops off a toasty through the school fence, um, which I haven't got caught for yet. That's right. Mum's was all dominoes get delivered. Yeah. And then we have a toasting machine for the 12s. Oh, that's good. So, so toast things. Then you mentioned the school is kind of like really like um, they're trying to be as supportive as they can yeah. in, in terms of, you know, with the education and providing enough time for you to be able to train. So obviously they've got your back yeah. um, on that side. Then your mum tends to, you know, not, 
not cart you around, it's not bad, it's a bad way to put it. Kind of like, you know, it takes you to training sessions, yeah. um, kind of prepares food, brings food to you as well. Um, but then you're still semi-independent and you still got to prepare your own breakfast and yeah. whatnot. So it sounds like you've kind of got like a little system that's kind of worked well. And then obviously I think, do you feel like your mum has your, your best intentions and kind of like has your back and, um, and that she really supports your, your dreams and your goals? Yeah, all the family does. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all riding the holly train at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, cool. Um, and, and obviously, that's like one of the big things here is making sure that you have for us as well, for us to be able to provide the support for you from a training perspective. But um, how, when you first came here, let's, let's, oh, when was that? Was that 21, I think? Yeah, it was just after COVID. Oh, during COVID. Oh, it was March or April 21? Yeah. Yeah, around Easter. Yeah. I, think. I think it was after around nationals time just before nationals yeah, yeah. um yeah talk, do you remember that time the, yeah. the conversation that we had what do you remember what we discussed during that time not exactly no exactly so it was it was an interesting moment because you like you came in like we um and then we had discussion about what your goals were and whatnot and you're also you're quite you you had a higher level of awareness and about what are the things that you need to work on. But then you also um, were working with Ian, I still work with Ian at this point, um, about understanding what were your actual issues. But then you also had some a few other issues as well, especially with your lower back. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that was really playing havoc because you had issues with your up kick. Yeah. At the time. Yeah, I actually remember this pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then what are we then training wise we okay we, we assessed you and then we figured out all right really at the end of the day you're using your lower back like your glutes essentially like your hips and then we had figured out um that specifically then we also figured out that you also had a history of ankle issues as well yeah yeah sprained a few ankles yeah and then um basically that was having a bit of a um a dampening effect in your ability to actually squat so so when you because you're got long femurs relatively long femurs to a short short torso that makes it a little bit harder for you to be able to kind of like squat and sit your hips back so then we identified that we identified the ankle issues as well and then we really started to kind of clean up your squat quite quickly then as a result i think it was within four weeks i think you got your first pb in quite a long time as well how was that feeling getting that getting that pb and just kind of like breaking that voodoo yeah it was good i think i had a good state and nationals and then just yeah improving in different areas to help the stroke and and the pull i think one of the big things that i had noticed i guess this is a a lesson for all for all athletes of any level really don't want to make it far is having like a higher level a high sense of self-awareness kind of like what you do well then what are the areas you need specifically to focus on and then finding the right person to be able to do, to work on those specific attributes. And then obviously over time, I had spoken, had a few conversations with Ian about the things that, okay, that he identified in the pool, what I had identified in your assessment and what we were doing in the training program and obviously kind of just rinsed and repeated that process as a result. Then kind of like every major campaign that you had, whether it's, you know, whether it's states or nationals, it's just like you kept kind of showing good signs of improvement yeah. as well. And the other part that I found really interesting is that any PB was a good PB. 
can you kind of like elaborate a little bit more in terms of how you kind of like approach, you know, getting PBs or not getting um, bogged down by when performances aren't, you're not always knocking off PBs? Yeah. So I've never had big PBs. They're usually like 0 0.1, 0 0.04 was at the short course nationals just gone. And sometimes it's hard because you see people get like the two second drops, one second drops, but then everything's learning. So from the mate just gone, like I'd never swam with flags, without flags before. So it's just a learning experience. And then you take it back into the pool and work hard on it. My turns have improved a lot because that was a weakness of mine last year, especially at like nationals, I would lose so much speed going in and out of the wall. So coming off that, I worked on it and then that was one of my biggest strengths at the meet just gone. So I just take everything back into the pool and work harder. Yeah, and then we um, implemented a bit of a training diary in the early days as well. Do you remember the training diary? Yeah. Yeah, do you want to elaborate a little bit more? Kind of like how it helped you, I guess, focus on like more specific things in your training? Yeah, so I, haven't used it recently but I need to bring it back into training and I would write down two positives and two improvements for every session just so I'm not just getting overwhelmed by I'm not good at this I need to work on this but seeing what I'm good at and then also having those improvements so I have a focus for the next session or the next week in training. Yeah and the whole point was to have a more of a clearer outcome of what you need to focus on there. Yeah. So you kind of assess the present of how your performance was, but then moving forward, you're able to kind of like specifically address those issues um, into the next training session. And it kind of almost became like a domino effect that you just kind of like started to see like small but gradual improvements in what you're doing, but you also had a focus, as yeah. you mentioned, into each training session as well. And it kind of works like a charm essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think moving to well what long course in december i think yeah. it'll be a good time to, yeah. to bring it back especially if you don't if the flags are out yeah they, they don't utilize flags so it might be important there yeah. as well so i guess what has been some of the key things what have been like three key takeaways that you've had along this journey um from i guess going from like the state level now pretty much getting to the point of representing your country what are these like some key takeaways along the journey so far? Um, no. Or something that would be valuable that you wish you had known sooner? That I'm stronger than I think I am, mentally and physically. And I can probably push myself harder. Like I didn't used to think like I'll lift in the gym or I'll be in the pool but I can make sure I just push myself harder because there's always that next level. Did you think, was there like a limiting belief behind that? I think in some aspects, yes. So like in the gym, probably injuring my back has that, like I don't want to lift so heavy that like I injure myself again. And then in the pool, just feeling like tight at the end sometimes yeah yeah and then with all the gym stuff as well because i know when we started introducing like rdls and um i think it was like trap bar deadlifts um you you were kind of really hesitant about going up and weights yeah it was, was there like a point where it's like oh my back's gonna be okay 
Yeah, once I started, like, because my core used to be really weak, so then my back would take all the load, and then that led to the back injury, which wasn't in the gym, but had was affected by the gym. Um, and then when I came here, just like working on the core and the glutes, and then once that felt strong enough, then I was like, yeah, I can go heavier. Cool. And how have you found the whole process of training here? How have you found the whole journey since, you know, April 21 to where are we, September? Yeah, September 23. Jesus, long time. It's been really good. Um, I've worked on, like, all the things that I was kind of neglecting and not focusing on. So, like, my core, my ankle flexibility, like, in the pool for kick, and then just constantly modifying with what my needs are at the time. Yeah, because I think we had started, there was a point where we started really focusing on your dive position yeah. as well. Then if we look at your dives, you know, you're literally, you're getting so much further a further out compared to everyone else. Yeah. Someone's like your torso is like horizontal and you have to have like a better entry into the yeah. water rather than just go straight down. That was number one. And then also with the ankle mobility, that was a key component for that as well to be able to get that shin angle drop to be able to project out. Then number two was like really addressing the, the turns. But, oh, actually, what about the lats? Actually, we didn't speak about your lats. Remember you had issues with your lats at one stage? Yeah. And, we, and we stumbled across just a way to fix that? Yeah. I struggled engaging them in the catch. So I'd in, reach out and then they would <laughs> drop. And then in doing like lap pull downs, having the bar, the pole, yeah. holding the pole like up helped engage it while I was working the other lap, like I would be swimming. Yeah, we kind of like, you said when you were doing freestyle, you felt like your lats weren't really kicking in or you weren't yeah. getting much power, then I think then you said, oh, when you had the snorkel when position, the snorkel. the snorkel on, and it was like, all right, let's just try and mimic that a little bit. I know yeah. it's a bit, a bit not woo-woo but it's like it's kind of like shunned upon going like more sport specific but we tried it and it ended up working like a charm yeah then we just kind of implemented that from there, there on in yeah. essentially and then we just loaded the heck out of it yeah and as a result and then then moving for, moving forward you know so we're in september now then you've got um states coming up in december, december then you've got trials world trials yeah they're in so, Jan. so you're Jan Feb, then you got Worlds. If I make it, yeah. If you qualify, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, but then hopefully again the Olympics, which is July next year. If I qualify, if you qualify, okay. Yeah. So there's quite a few things that you've got to kind of tick off. Yeah. Um, on that. So what what's the plan moving forward from here? So you've kind of I know you're kind of like fresh from from nationals. Yeah. Like, what do you think is the plan moving forward for you um, over the next you know three four months? Um, at the moment of training for the next few weeks, we're working on like aerobic fitness, but with power mixed in. And then in six weeks, I leave for Queensland. Yeah. That's an exciting time. So, um, what are you going to be doing in Queensland? You know, um, yeah. What's the, I guess the main focus with that? Um, so the whole family's moving up and then hopefully, I get into the uni I want for the course I want. Yeah. 
um, and then I'm gonna keep training and at a higher level maybe hopefully yeah, yeah and just keep going and get the yeah. Olympics and and hopefully we'll be able to um, see you on the big screen or the yeah. silver screen in this case um, what is one thing that you, when you came here for the first time do, I know you you've trained at other facilities is there anything that you felt because like, obviously you were here you've been here for over two years now what was like the key thing for you that kind of kept you here what? I think the training times have been really good so I can fit the amount of sessions I want into my week because Swimming's not very flexible with their times. Oh. They're set in stone. So having the sessions before school, like I can be really consistent and then I see improvements a lot quicker yep. than having them all after school and I'll be like once a week, maybe twice. Yeah, so you reckon the training volume going from like once or twice to three times a week yeah. has been a key thing for you? Yeah, and being consistent with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think consistency is a, a yeah. one of the biggest parts. Um, then I think I remember with your training, I used to use a bit of a guinea pig for certain stuff as well. And that was still, I think, before you go, I'll, I'll continue to try some some different things yeah. here and in. Remember the lactate retention method? Do you remember On the bike? That? Yeah. 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 Okay. Do you, do, you want, do you remember how it went? Was it 30 seconds on the bike? Yeah. And then a 30-second squat hold. Yeah. And then repeat that six times. Yeah, but not, not straight after each yeah, other. Yeah, like in three minutes. Two and a half, three-minute yeah. rest in between. So I think I've discussed this um, a few times before, but the, we did the lactate retention method. The only reason why is because leading into short course, the turns, it's almost double the turns because you did 200 free as well. There's a lot more kicking involved. There's less arms, essentially. Um, because of the amount of time you spend underwater as well, because you can stay underwater for up to 15 meters. Yeah. And that's even short course as well, isn't it? Okay, so you spend a lot of time underwater, so you you have limited times to be able to breathe. It's probably less as yeah. well. So you have to kind of like better um, better deal with lactate build up in your legs. And obviously that was the main point yeah. of doing the lactate retention myth, method is to be able to build your tolerance to, for your your legs to work at a high intensity over a sustained period of time, how did you how did you find that from the first session to like then going back into training? I think it was after like maybe eight weeks, I think, up till now. Yeah, after the sessions, I felt sick, um, but then at training, I was able to hold like in the kick sets, hold my kick for longer and come in at faster times, which was really good to see. And then in the pool, like racing, just having the hard kick at the end of the race, which I tended to drop off a bit in mm. the last 25. So that was... To be able to have, like, extra extra juice in the tank yeah. that last, you know, 15 metres. Yeah. Yeah, to finish strong. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad it worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, anything else you want to add? No. No, that's it. <laughs> I appreciate you spending, um, spending the time to come down and have a bit of chat about your journey. Um, it's been, for me, it's been a real privilege to be a part of it as well and, you know, for you to be a bit of a guinea pig sometimes as well. Um, for, for Holly, I think she kind of understates her successes from time to time as well. Yeah? Maybe. Maybe. Um, probably one of the most athletic um, individuals that we've worked, worked with here. Um, she runs a good 20 metre and she's very quick. Also, yeah, we were talking about your state athletics as well. How would you go with that? 
Because then the you school. run the yeah the school the school athletics. Um yeah, it was alright. It was a long night. Yeah. I did the hundred, two hundred, eight hundred, four by one, four by four. So you did a lot. Yeah. And how did you go in the hundreds mainly? In the hundred, I came third. I don't know what time I ran though. Not bad for a swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously you've had you know some minor setbacks. I know you've had a bit of a trend of injuring yourself, leading out into big meets as yeah. well, with your finger, wrists, Ankle. toe, ankles, toes. I dropped a weight on my foot, and then I sprained my ankle. Yeah, we had, we had to figure shit out. Fractured finger, um, wrist injury. Yeah. Yeah, so we had to figure some stuff out along the way, but it's. Uh, it's I think you've always kept me on my toes yep. to some degree as well. I know Ian's being like, oh, God, what what now? Yeah. Um, then, yeah, you've overcome that. I think you were sick, you know, a couple of times as well. Managed to kind of work through that as well. Um, but, yeah, moving forward, I think everyone's pretty excited, especially an athlete, to see you on the, on the big screen in Paris. Thanks. Cool. Um, if you like this episode, please like, sh- subscribe, share, um, all that good stuff uh, really does help us. We're trying to bring, uh, I guess, um, individuals that are really on the path of going from a youth athlete to becoming, uh, I guess, well, not a mature age, a young adult, essentially, um, transitioning into, the, I guess, the, the adult world of um, athletics, or I'm sorry, sport performance, um, and really kind of like help parents kind of guide the way and kind of like what are the, what's the secret sauce of the recipes that other athletes are using or have in place? For example, Holly has you know a really good support network. I think the whole family's backed her, hundred um, percent. And then it's all about surrounding the I guess the athlete in this case for Holly to, with the right people, um, with the right tools um, at the right time as well. So until the next one, thanks. You have just listened to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the release of weekly episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get great tips on all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring.